Good morning, good morning. It's a uh, cloudy this morning, right? Kind of cool. Anyone enjoying the fall coming in? I'm like, I'm loving it. We were driving home. We went to the, uh, there's a carnival in Fullerton uh, over in East Fullerton. It was a great time. And we were driving home at like 6.30 last night. The sun was like right almost about to be fully down. At 6.30 p.m., I was like, this is awesome. So uh, I'm pumped. I got my flannel on today. Uh, it's probably not that cold, but I just like to wear flannel. So fall's coming. Well, if you're new here, my name is Mark Speeder. I'm the lead pastor, and we are so glad to have you here. And our heartbeat as a church is we simply want to love Jesus, and we want to love people because God loves us with a perfect and everlasting love, and so we want to reflect that wherever we go. Um, as Rebecca shared, we started a sermon series in Jonah this last week. We want to invite you to be tracking along with us. It'll be a four-week-long sermon series, a chapter a week, so we want to invite you to be tracking along with us. And if you're in one of our life groups, we're going to be tracking there as well. But as I start today, I want to ask you uh, a question. I know Many of us had the fear of the dark as children. I would love to hear from, from maybe a few of you guys, what was a specific place that you were afraid of being in the dark in? Bathroom. Bathroom, the dark bathroom, okay. The garage, all right, yep, dark garage, got the weird smells, weird things in there, right? Anyone else? Grandparents, Grandparents basement, yes, I grew up... Uh, in, in Minnesota, and we had basements, and they were often like just concrete, unfinished, and really cold, and just creepy. So uh, that was a place for me. I heard one back there. Okay, no takers. Well, okay, so I've gotten over most of my fears of the dark. I've shared this with you all before. I still have a fear of being on a cruise ship, and in the middle of the night, like falling off the edge somehow into the middle of the ocean, and no one knows, and I'm there, and just, just picture that for a second. Just like being there, that, that like makes me cringe right now. Like no one knows I'm there. I don't know what's under me. I don't even know when waves are coming. I'm just going to die a slow, dark, wet, cold death. Unless, of course, something comes to get me sooner, right, from under the water or something like that, uh, right? And here we have Jonah living my worst nightmare, you know? Jonah is thrown off the ship. I mean, it was storm. I don't know if it was day or night, but let's just say it was night. Okay, we don't know. Um, Jonah found himself in a hard, dark, uncomfortable place that was actually a hugely formative time in his calling journey. And today, I, I want to take some time and in, in learn from Jonah, because we're talking about our calling and our assignment throughout this series. I want to learn from Jonah, how do we make it through dark seasons in our calling journeys? A few questions I want to answer today. Why do we have dark seasons if we really love Jesus? Why do we, why do we have those? Secondly, where, how and where do we find God in our dark seasons? And how do we make it out of our dark seasons? We're going to be reading Jonah chapter 2. And like last week, let's try that again, we're going to be spending actually most of our time right at the beginning, in fact, in verse 1. So again, don't get nervous if it appears like I'm going slowly, I'll get you to lunch. 
Um, so I want to read verse 1. We're going to camp here probably for most of our time. It says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. The verse before in chapter 1, God appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. He was in the belly for three days and three nights. Okay, so this begs a question. Let's just start with this. What in the world is up with this fish? Like, this is a crazy story. And did you know that when you read the Bible, you, can, you have permission to just acknowledge the crazy Sometimes, like, like this almost feels like an unbelievable story, right? Jonah, what's with this fish? Was it real? It is interesting that um, Jesus himself, not only our most reliable prophet, but God himself, refers back to the story of Jonah in Matthew chapter 12. In fact, he refers back to this as a picture and kind of a prophetic picture how Jesus would be killed, would be dead for, you know, three days and then rise again from the dead. Matthew 12, verse 40, it says this, for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Guys, Jonah is not only an Old Testament story about a crazy fish, it is a prophetic picture of how God can even prophesy through a fish. It's a prophetic picture of Jesus. Now, you might ask, like, how could someone live three days in the belly of a fish? Any kids maybe interested in that? If you're here, like, how in the world would you live three days? Uh, first of all, there has been a guy who's done it before. Maybe not three days, although there has been some old-time old stories of that. But there has been a guy that's lived at least a minute in the story of a fish, if you'll put this up, Michael Packard, a lobster diver uh, in, in off the coast of Cape Cod, recently was eaten and swallowed by a whale. He was in there for about a minute, got spit back out. So it is possible to be taken in by a large fish or a whale. So how did it work? I don't know. Maybe it was an air pocket, right? Maybe he died and was resurrected right? I mean, we, we, we have heard stories of not only Jesus, but people who have, who've died and been supernaturally resurrected. Maybe it was like a, a Daniel in the lion's den situation where he was supernaturally sustained. Look, I'm not a fish expert, right? So I don't actually know. If one of y'all want to try it, I'm sure we can get something set up and kind of toss you in there, and we can, you can kind of be the fish expert and kind of figure out how that might work, right? But I think this is one of those that, even if there's plausible explanations, it's kind of in the God's mystery box category. You know, there, there are areas of our life in faith that we just need to trust God with. <clears throat> now, we often, you know, as people, we like to have an answer for every single thing about our faith. We like to know our theology, like perfectly on every little thing to feel like we can know it. But the reality is, I've got a two-pound brain. And yours might be slightly bigger than mine, but it's still in the range of two pounds. And God is God. <laughs> like, 
I have a limited understanding, and God can do whatever he wants, and he's God. And I've heard crazy, crazy stories of what God has done around the world. And so he can do what he wants, and there's going to be things I understand and things I will not understand until I get there. And that's why I worship him, because he's God, right? We will find rest in our souls when we accept the mystery box of certain whys in life. Now, Jonah is in a whale, all right, or he's in a fish, Maybe he's a whale. He's in a fish. And so I just want you to stop and kind of put yourself in his shoes for a second. Now, I know that this is like a big deal. You know what I'm talking about? I know that this has been, for those of you guys who maybe grew up in the church, you saw some different pictures of what that looked like. I've seen pictures where it's like this massive space, and he's on the tongue, and like back there is that like boxing bag thing in the throat, the uvula or whatever it is, right? And he's, he's got like a lamp in like scriptures and like a little lamp on fire. And it's like the Marriott of fish, you know? And he's like maxing and relaxing. Like that's not going to work to have like a lamp on fire. It, like that's not going to work. But, but, you know, so we get the pictures like that. Or how about this one? I know it's a little pixelated, but, but uh, it's, it's like he's got one of those tiny houses, in there, right? And he turned into a prayer room. And he's got like a little, you know, little shawl on. He's all clean and praying in there nicely, right? Like I think sometimes we picture like it was this nice kind of tiny house, prayer room space that, that Jonah had. But no, in all reality, you can imagine it was like constrained. Like inside of a digestive system, it's just like a bunch of long tubes, right? It's not this big open space. Right, so he's constrained, he's feeling disgusting. There's like all kinds of like strange, like digestive juices all over him and like other things that that fish had been eating. On top of that, he is completely out of control. I mean, Jonah was trying to control his life up until this point and take his life into his own hands. No longer. He is constrained and he is in the dark and he is at the end of his rope. Jonah went from being in control of his life to being at the end of his rope very quickly. Jonah had some dark days. Now, you may never be swallowed by a fish, but I know that if you're a human like me, you will have some dark days in your calling journey. Not only that, I believe that all of us in our calling journey, in our, journey, in our spiritual journey with Jesus, will even have dark, a dark season or dark seasons along the way. If you have been there or you're there now, you know it is painful, it is disorienting, it is confusing, it raises up questions in your heart. And so why do we have these dark seasons? How do we find God in them? You know, in order to answer this question, I want to kind of give it a framework and a category in our mind to kind of best do that. For those that are into this thing called spiritual formation, um, it is often called the wall. The wall. We hit a wall in our walk with God. What is a wall? A wall is a season of our faith where we feel lost, we feel stuck, we feel confused. The things that seem to work in the past or our spiritual disciplines or our prayer life, it seems like they don't work. We have questions about God. Maybe we question the church. We question things in life. We feel alone and misunderstood, right? And we see example of this in scriptures. Not only Jonah, but we see Peter hitting a wall right before Jesus is crucified. We see David 
hitting a wall in his journey. Everything was up and to the right with David, and then it started to fall apart. We even see Jesus, I believe, hitting a wall in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, who was God himself, but was a human also, was sweating drops of blood because of the level of stress he felt, right? And I'm sure on the cross he felt forsaken, and we see that. I believe in our culture and in the church, we have hit a corporate wall. We, our world has hit a wall. Things that used to work, things we kind of used to kind of see uh, it made sense, all of a sudden don't, and things are being brought up, and issues are being brought up, and we're struggling in our relationships, and we feel out of control. I believe we are like globally hitting a wall. So why, why, why do we hit walls in our lives? It might be a triggering life event or a trauma or a relational blow-up. It might be spiritual burnout or some type of faith crisis. For Jonah, he thought his life was going to look one way, and all of a sudden it began to look a completely different way. I've hit maybe some different walls in my life, but one of the walls I hit was probably two, three years ago. I've been pushing hard. We planted a church. I probably wasn't resting enough, and um, I am a type A person, and so what I became increasingly aware of was that I had a picture for how my life would play out, and there's this thing called like the brokenness of our world we live in, and so life doesn't really go as you plan. And so what I was doing, without knowing it to compensate, I felt like I was in a treadmill, increasingly turning up the speed in my life, trying to catch up with my feeling of being behind and trying to kind of take control to make things happen how I thought they should happen. I didn't even know I was doing that. And then you throw in like a, a traumatic crisis in there in life, and all of a sudden, man, I feel upside down. I'm still loving Jesus. I wasn't walking in some big sin. I'm still loving my family. But man, my anxiety levels are like, what is going on? I can't sleep. What's going on? I feel confused. Right? There's questions I need answered. I don't feel like things I used to do are working to kind of help the, the state of my soul. It can be extremely discouraging and frustrating. And so for those of you who are there or may be there one day soon, I just want to encourage you. I firmly believe, especially coming out the other side of this thing, that hitting a wall and even big walls is an essential part of our formation journey with Jesus. I believe that hitting walls, coming to the end of ourselves, and even experiencing dark seasons are an essential part of our faith journey. So if you think something is wrong with you because you're there, because we often think our faith journey is up and to the right. You know, I just keep growing and I keep feeling better and I keep everything makes increasing sense in my life. And then I just slowly arrive and just have it put together. And then you hit a wall. Like, like we think, oh my goodness, I completely screwed up because I can't get past this anxiety or I can't get past this thing. Let me encourage you. You may just be in the perfect place. It may have nothing to do with something you did wrong and everything to do with God wanting to show up in your life in a powerful way this season. You may absolutely not be missing it. In fact, in the spiritual formation, if you can put this chart up, um, Pete Scazzaro created this chart. Um, and 
it's not, doesn't go in this perfect order, and sometimes you go back, and sometimes you hit numerous walls, but, but this is actually part of the journey of the formation of our soul and becoming Christ-likeness. This is actually a necessary part, and it comes out onto their side. And so I want to just share a few things I think God does in us and through us when we come to the wall. Because let me tell you, if you are there and you feel disoriented and you feel like I am in, I am in the fish, like I am, I feel toast, you know, right now, I'm coming in low today, God is there. Jonah found God, not outside, not on the ship. Jonah found God in the fish. Jonah found God in his wall. And God wants to find you in your wall. Three things that God may be doing if you're there now or in the soon future. Number one, we come to the end of ourselves. We come to the end of ourselves in the wall. As um, is said in this book, Critical Journey by Hagberg and he says this, the wall represents our will meeting God's will face to face. You see, God brings us to the end of our broken and imperfect will so that we can fall into, even if accidentally, his perfect will for our lives. As I was sharing earlier, I had a great plan for my life. Like, I thought it was slick. I thought it was tight. I thought, like... Up and to the right, baby, you know, like, I'm going to be disciplined, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to hustle, we're going to do it, right? And I found myself, right, coming confused to the end of myself and coming into a whole much greater, bigger plan than I ever could imagine for my life. But it took him wrestling me, like God wrestled Jacob, it took him wrestling my plans out of my hand so they could get open to get his plans into my hands. And this not like some pretty process typically. So if you feel like a hot mess today, right, and you feel like things don't make sense in your life, God just may be putting something better, some, uh, something so much better into your life, okay? And so we get a front row to Journey's really sloppy, messy journey so that we can have a buddy, right, in our sloppy, messy journey into God's will. Secondly, thing God may be doing to you is drawing you close to him. God is drawing us close to him when we are in dark places. You know the most intimate moments I have with my kids? It's not when we're on the mountaintop or we're making the best memories, right? The most intimate moment I often have with my kids is in a time of struggle, in a time where like they're humans, like all of us. Maybe they're, maybe they're struggling, maybe they're weak, and, and they need dad's help, and I gotta step in and comfort them. I gotta step in and be with them. I gotta step, those are the sweet, some of the sweetest moments. I love you guys. Those are some of the sweetest moments I share with my kids, and not in moments of strength, but in moments of weakness when we're the most intimate. I believe God has great intimacy with you and great love that he wants to pour out over you in your darkest moments. And I believe if you've been through them, you would probably testify that those were the seasons that you got to know God the most and you dug new wells of intimacy and connection and trust with God, not in the mountaintop, but in the desert and in the valley. Listen, let me say it like this. If you can find God in the dark, you'll follow him in the light. 
Number three, what God might be doing. He might be bringing you, in fact, I know he's bringing you to a new place. If you're in a dark place, he's bringing you to a new place. Good news. The end game for your life is not the wall or the dark place. The end game for your life is not just being utterly confused and being helpless. That's not the end game. You know Psalm 23, for those of you guys who are familiar, when he said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I believe that's verse four, that's talking about a shepherd's journey with his sheep that happens throughout the year, which is a picture of our spiritual formation journey as we grow into Christlikeness. Y'all tracking with me? Okay, God has us in a process of forming our soul into freedom and Christ-likeness, and that's walking to his will. And in order to get to the destination, the shepherd would have to take the sheep through these crevices and these valleys as they ascended to the heights. And those were often dark, cold places that were the most dangerous because wolves and other, other animals could be lurking in the dark and get out with them. And so, of course, those are the moments, as I said my last point, the sheep had to be closest with the shepherd. But the purpose of taking them through the valley was not just to go see some scenery. The purpose of going through the valley was to ascend to the heights. You had to go through the valley to get to the heights. Let me just say, if you are in a wall or you are in a dark place and you feel like your faith is all screwed up, God may be taking you somewhere so much higher. You might feel like you're descending into darkness, but God is elevating you into greater amounts of light. What may be happening on the other side of the wall, because there's an other side, right? And what got Jonah to at least the place he needed to go at least next, it was actually the fish. It was the fish that got him safely to where he needed to go next in the same way God will use our wall to get us or our dark seasons to get us often to where he wants to take us. And on the other side, I believe there's greater trust in God. There's greater strength in God. There's greater sensitivity to the spirit of God, greater knowledge of the word of God because you've had to rely on it in the past season. There's greater authority in ministry and greater assignments from God. John 12, 24, Jesus said this, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it will not bear much fruit. But if it does, it will multiply greatly, right? God brings us to the end of ourselves so that life can happen through death. That's the way of the kingdom. We're going a little deep today, y'all good? God brings us to the end of ourselves so that life can happen through death. God wants to multiply your life to make a great impact, but in order to get there, he needs to take us to the end of ourselves so we can walk in the beginning of him. Okay, now I know it's hard and everything in, if you're there now, you know it or you've been there, and take notes if you're like, this doesn't apply to me because everything's good, you know? Like, just take some notes and go back and you know, put it on a nice shelf and open this back up later. <clears throat> when you're there, everything in you wants to push out. Everything in you wants to escape and hit eject as quickly as possible. There's a reason many people don't make it out of the wall. Like, many Christians either eject from Jesus and the church during the wall or they um, just kind of plateau for the rest of their lives and just kind of go through the Christian motions for the rest of their lives. And there's a reason, because it's painful. But God is doing something in the wall to get you to your destination, just like God used the fish to get Jonah to his. To use an illustration, you know, a caterpillar goes through a metamorphosis to become a butterfly. 
And scientists have studied that if they break the caterpillar or whatever it is in that middle stage, <laughs> right, the thing, uh, if they break that thing out of its cocoon too early, even if it has the shape of a butterfly, it's not yet formed enough to fly. And so our temptation is to eject from our pain as quickly as possible and go numb ourselves or go switch our theology up or eject from the body of Christ and the people of God because it just looks easier. Like if you're on a keto diet, it's just easier to eat a gallon of ice cream. And it feels great for like a day, right? But that's not what God has for your body and maybe not you know, what God has for our soul. So... Um, we need to embrace the process so we can be fully formed and arrive into the things that God has for us. Y'all tracking? All right, thanks for taking a deep dive with me today. We're having fun. So how do we find God in the wall? I want to do four quick points and we'll wrap this bad boy up. And I'm going to draw these points from the rest of this chapter, which is Jonah's prayer, starting in verse 2. Read with me. So Jonah had prayed, and he was saying, I call out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows, they passed over me. And then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look upon your holy temple. The waters enclosed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head and at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars were closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice you. What I have vowed to you, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and vomited it out upon the dry land. So I want to look at a few things in the life of Jonah to help give us some tools to navigate through the wall. Not get out of the wall or go around the wall but some tools to help us navigate through the wall because the tools that got you thriving up until the wall may not be the same ones to get you through the wall, all right, or through the dark season. Number one, stop running and start surrendering. Jonah was in control of his life and his destiny up until this point. And the reason he was running and doing all this activity was there was a flurry of fears inside of him that was coming out in his flurry of running and activity. He was trying to regain control, and you can even imagine, because it appears he didn't pray until the end of his time in the fish. You can imagine the first moments in the fish, Jonah the runner is like, okay, so I'm here. I'm approximately this far down below water, so if I can somehow escape out of the mouth, then I might have this amount of time up until, so i got to hold my breath for this long. And Jonah is still mapping his life forward. And ultimately, he realizes, I ain't going to get out of here. All I can do is release control, throw up the white flag, and surrender. And us as humans, just like Jonah, how we typically deal with pain in our life, 
how we typically deal with our anxiety, our fears, those voices in our heads, those relational rejection, how we deal with that is typically stuff. We fill ourselves with activity and stuff, right? Whether it is we learn to please people so we don't need to feel the pain of rejection. We become all things to all people. We become disappointed with the reality of our current life so we buy our way into a new life that is more desirable, right? Or we don't want to feel empty so we fill our schedules, right? Or how about uh, we do this all day throughout the day, right? The temptation is even higher. You know, there used to be times, some of you have you've never experienced this, where you had to wait in the line and you had nothing to do. <laughs> some of you have never experienced that because <laughs> you've always, you know, remembered having a phone accessible. You would have to be in a plane over Nebraska and you would look down. There was, there was no TV screen. There was no phone. There was no music. Maybe you had a cassette player, you know, you could jam with, with some uh, old headphones. But you had to look down and be like, oh, there's people that farm down there. Huh. That looks boring. I wonder, wonder what's going on, you know. Um, or there was a time you were driving and no one could get a hold of you. Like if you were gone from your house, people couldn't get a hold of you. And there's like all this silent space in our lives and our soul, right? And it, it, was, it was crazy. All we had was a radio, maybe a, a cassette player or whatever, right? Or, or when phones started coming out, if you wanted a text, you could like, you could put 25 characters. Anyone remember those days? You could put 25 characters, and you'd have to hit the same button like three times to get to the right letter. It would take you like five minutes to send a one-sentence text, right? We have immediate access to numbing our souls and escaping our pain and pleasing people and filling ourselves with stuff and information at all times. A study done by eMarketer, a digital intelligence company, said that in 2021, we're spending an average of three hours and 51 minutes on our phone a day. Three hours and 51 minutes, that doesn't include the average of two to three hours of TV watching a day. If that is our numbers, and I am guilty of like more than I should be at times, like I'm not just preaching to y'all. We need to ask what in the world is going on in our souls? If those are the numbers that we're putting up what are we running from that we're running to this so much? It's the fear of our own dark thoughts, the fear of our own feeling, having to feel our own emotions, the feel of falling behind of other people, the anxiety that comes from our disordered lives and our disordered thoughts. And if we stop, we have to deal with it. So then we just kind of run to it. And all the while, our soul withers away. You see, we're human beings, not human doings. French Catholic theologian Blaise Pascal said this, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Woo! And he didn't even know the phones were coming, you know? You see, um, what happens, though, when we stop is we start to realize the world doesn't depend on us. And we start to realize that we can disappoint people. We start to realize that our lives as they are are actually okay. And we start to realize that God is in control. And what starts to happen is that we start to come empty 
to God and realize that he actually wants to fill us up with something so much better than the things we numb out on ourselves. That's why Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And what will happen next? He will be exalted in the earth. You see, where was God exalted in Jonah's life? It wasn't in Jonah's strength. It was in Jonah's surrender. God was most glorified in Jonah's life when he surrendered it all and sat quietly and found God in the darkness. There is a holy doing nothing that God wants to invite you into. That is so hard for me. (laughs) I get like so all over the place so quickly. Like still, like I'm trying to pray and I just like, my, my hand like habitually goes over the phone. I'm like, why am I suddenly looking at the news? You know, like I was just praying a second ago. What is going, like that is so hard. But there is a holy doing nothing that God wants to invite you into. We see Jesus again and again run away to quiet, desolate places. God gave us the gift of Sabbath, right? Rest and nothing is to be a part of our life because our actual hardwiring scientific human beings need it. Okay, second tool that we learn. Jonah intentionally and openly grieved. He stopped stuffing his soul and started actually grieving. Now, if you're a parent, you'll realize that about one in three or one of four kids comes out the womb not knowing how to chew. Now, it's not that they don't know how to chew, but it's that they just don't do it. And I don't know why it is, you know, we have one of our kids is just like, how are you even digesting right now, you know? I'm like, you just like ate a whole carrot, you know, like your poor stomach, let's pray. And what I found is the kids that do not chew most often have stomach pain. It's like a weird scientific equation. And, uh, you know, they recommend to chew your food at least 32 times, by the way. That's not like forever. I don't think I'm going to hit that mark. But at least some. you got to chew your food some, right? Because when you chew your food, it, it makes it a lot easier in a digestive process. And the food can then move through your body and get where, gets where it needs to go, okay? Now, Jonah, um, what happened is he slowed down. He was actually able to process his emotions, And that's what we need. Our soul needs time and space to feel our emotions and to acknowledge them in order to grieve them. We taught on lament about a month or two ago, so I'm going to make this short. But we see Jonah actually doing this. Jonah stopped, and he started actually feeling his feelings, which is a good thing. I know we're afraid of them often. Let me just show you what it looked like for Jonah. Out of my distress... He's using this imagery, the flood surrounded me. The water's closed over to take my life. The weeds are wrapped around my head. I mean, he's got a headband of weeds, right? Uh, He's he's wrapped in the emotional weeds of of lostness and the emotions and the ocean, right? Uh, I was enclosed, the bars enclosed upon me forever. Maybe dramatic, not entirely. He probably had some of the weed helmet going on, right? But listen, when you're in pain, you got to be able to process dramatically somewhere. You need just a place to let it all out, to feel your feelings. And if you did not have a place to let it all out, it'll get out in the very wrong direction. 
substances, addictions, relational brokenness. What it does is opening up our wounds and our emotions allows us to let it out so that we can receive empathy and kindness. And it is that empathy in our brokenness and our failures, which is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is why that, that's, that's the good news of Jesus, is in our sin, he still loves us. That is what heals us of our wounds and our anxieties and our fears. And God will use dark places to get the good news of Jesus deeper in you than it could ever possibly get. He'll surpass your places of control. He'll surpass the facades you put up. He'll surpass the, your, your things you run to so he can get to the innermost part of your heart and tell you like I tell my kids in their deepest failures, hey, that's not okay, but I love you. And I'm not going anywhere. And that's what God wants to tell you. And as you process your soul with God in that dark place, <clears throat> you can do it with Jesus, but I want to tell you this, God wants to bring people around you to do that with. Yeah. Who are your even peers? They may not have the right answer. Who are people that you can share your junk with and receive empathy in return? That you can be, we all need people to be the hands and feet of Jesus because we all got screwed up pictures of God and we need people to be the hands and feet of Jesus to give us empathy in our worst places. Who is your community that you can let it all out with? Not come in your best version of your screw-ups, but like, this is it. Like, I don't have an answer. I don't have like, and now I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this and do this. Like, like this is it. Like, it's messy. Who are those people in your life? You need people to be Jesus with flesh. Counselors, Christian counselors, also a great place you can come. That's me. Like when I when I hit my wall, I'm like, I, I kind of just like unraveled with a couple people, a couple friends. I just let it all out, and I called a couple counselors and just let it all out. And I remember my first counseling session. I was like, I was like talking a mile a minute, and I was like, you know, and they're like, all right, you know, <laughs> schedule a few sessions here, you know. You need those places you can let it out. Jesus even did this in the Garden of Gethsemane in his wall. He invited his friends in to his places of brokenness. The last two places I'm just not really going to hit because of time's sake, um, so I can get you all to lunch like I promised. Jonah dealt with his idols. I'll just say this. When your life and the things you used to do aren't working, the things that aren't working will become clear. <laughs> So when those things come up that aren't working for you, which are often idols, which means anything we kind of put in God's place and we put our complete hope and trust in, God wants to set you free of those. Listen, the dark place is a place of freedom. So be honest about those with the people around you and with Jesus. And lastly, like Jonah, choose remembrance and thanksgiving. Idols will wear you out. We see that in verse 8. And Jonah choose, chose remembrance and thanksgiving. He remembered the Lord. He said, I remember the Lord. I will sacrifice for you. Listen, the way out of your brokenness and idolatry is not trying harder. It's worshiping. We don't get out of sin by staring at our sin and trying not to do anything about it. We get out of sin by staring at Jesus like my wife was sharing earlier and falling in love with him along the way. <clears throat> 
And that might look like what we see Jonah said, I remembered, I offered thanksgiving. That was an intentional choice Jonah made. And if you're in a dark place, I'm not, I'm not saying that's easy. Like I have a lot of empathy for you because I've been there. <laughs> I got saved and came to Jesus on the verge of committing suicide. I know what it's like. But somewhere along the way, God wants to give you strength to say, I choose to be thankful. I choose to remember God's goodness when it was easier. I choose to believe that God is still who he says he is. I choose, I don't feel it. I don't want to feel it. or I don't want to choose this. Right? But I am choosing to, to, to trust God. And that may mean choosing thankfulness before you feel thankful. We don't choose thankfulness when we get the other side. We choose thankfulness in the process of getting to the other side. So what is God speaking to you today? It's like for some of us, there's an invitation for some of us who have been doing life in our own strength. Maybe you're not even running from God, but you are just cooking along, and you know that, man, I'm doing this without Jesus. And I, I feel like the Lord's invitation for you is to surrender today. Stop running and start surrendering to him. Fall into his arms. It might be messy. Fall into his arms. <clears throat> Fall into the arms of someone else. You're okay to be where you are, who you are here. <clears throat> Some of us, we're, we're in the fish. We feel like, man, I'm in a dark place right now. And I want to invite you to receive the presence of God in that place. Not a feeling, but a knowing. To know that God is so much bigger than the dark feelings you have, but he is there with you, and you may not feel like you can find him, but he wants to find you right now. I really believe some of you are in that place, and we want to come alongside you and support you, encourage you, pray for you, not rush you out or fix you, but be present with you just like God is present with you. God wants to find you in your dark places today. No matter where you are, there's no place too far. <clears throat> and some of us, just well, someone had this word earlier, some of us are trying to do things for God, but we're doing it in our way like Jonah wanted to do rather than God's way. And I feel like the Lord is saying to those of you who that's you, your ministry and the impact you want to have in your career and your calling and your family and your parenting and your roommates and your classes will be so much greater when you stop doing it your way and start surrendering to do it his way. God wants you to bear fruit. God's promise is that you will bear fruit. But it's not you bearing fruit, it's him bearing fruit through you, which requires us to surrender our way of doing it and come to him. So let's take some time and respond. If I can have our prayer team available, like I said, sometimes we need Jesus in the flesh uh, or at least a person that can embody the love of Jesus to us. So maybe you need prayer today. Maybe some of you, I'm going to get our nice little carpet up here today. I didn't bring that over, my bad. But some of you, maybe you need to come to the front and just be like, God, I, I'm here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm just lay it down. You can do that in your chair too. But sometimes it just we need a line in the sand to say, God, I'm here. Just get before the Lord. Maybe someone will come pray for you, whatever, if that's you. Some of you just need to take notes. 
for a future season. You need to come along someone who's in a dark season today. So Lord, we, we love you and we thank you that just as you found Jonah through the provision of the, of the fish, you find us through the provision of Jesus. That we ran from you and that in the midst of all our runnings, you came and got us and you paid a high price by dying on the cross for, you, for our sin and we would be forgiven and come back to your ways. So Father, we, we surrender to you. We come to you. So whatever you need to do, go get prayer. Stay still where you are. Come to the front. Just get before the Lord. Lord, we come to you. In Jesus' name.